Yeah. <clears throat> huh? Oh, Nevaeh, did you not? Come here, Nevaeh. How did I miss you? Yeah, now, I, go ahead, Nevaeh. Tell us how you got saved. I got saved uh, March, at the end of March, and um, I was scared and to get saved, so I went to my mom, and um, we prayed, and I got saved. <laughs> we sure do love you. You know, really right now, about all I can think about is revival. And, um, you know, I know that, that um, that's not something that one person can bring, but I know it's something that God can do. And, and I think as a mother and dad, as parents, don't you think that we ought to want revival for our children? You know, if you want them to get a good education, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And if you want to see them succeed in life, Nothing wrong with that. If you want to see them marry right, marry well, I think that's all good. But uh, to have our children give their lives and their hearts to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, whatever you want for my life, that's what I want. That's really, I think, that would be the height of what we could want for our children. Because if you're successful and you have a long marriage and maybe you make a lot of money in life, but you don't know God, I think you've missed out on the best part of life. And uh, we, want, we want that. Brother Warner, good to see you tonight. And, uh, and by the way, I, I had a list of folks I need to tell you we need to pray about. We, we have some expecting mothers. I, in fact, I should say it this way. We have some mothers with child. I, I like the way the Bible says that a whole lot better than the way other people say it. Um, God uses a very descriptive term when it comes to somebody expecting, and it, that is that they're with child. And don't you think mom ought to be with child? Right, with child. So we have a few. Stephanie Knox, um, we're, um, she is with child, and I don't know when the due date is. When's the due date on that? May 30th. May 30th. And then Claire. Claire, are you here tonight? Claire Frucci? I know she's expecting as well. And then Jill Whitlock. Jill, when is the due date? Did you say June? June 4th. Ju thank, you, thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. June 4th. So May, June. And then I heard that Bethany? Are you a child? Is that right? Well, congratulations. So when is the due date? August the 25th. 21st. Okay, somewhere in there in August, right? Amen. Amen. Well, more folks to pray about, and I've seen little people being held all over the building. And uh, you can look down there, Robbie on one side, Jan on the other side. And Adele in the middle, grandbaby looking. I see Robbie, she's looking at you now. Look at that. Yeah, look at that. And um, appreciate the Lord uh, letting us be able to have uh, more of those children born. Sound like we need a bigger nursery. What do you think? Bigger nursery. That's one way to grow a church. Right. It's one way to grow a church. Um, I'm, I'm done growing it in that way. But, and I'm sure that there's a lot of you in the same way. But we praise the Lord. God give us babies. I like those things around the church. They're a blessing. Miss Sarah Spivey, not well. You please pray for her. Lindsay Dorman and Dot Marcus, both their surgery recovery. And, uh, and Brother Scott's got a couple of announcements right before I, I preach. I'm going to have Brother Dave, he would join me as well. But I want to say thank you for all those that helped out on our work day. Um, there were a lot of people here that worked. They helped out, you know, and we had it just all day open, did all kinds of different things. Now, we have people that, that work every day during the week. And they clean buildings, and there are people that take care of their classrooms, and all kind of all kind of work takes place here on a regular basis. 
But then we just came aside and so many people helped join that. And I appreciate that. And then those of you that were not, maybe some of you were on vacation. I know some of our college kids, they were away on uh, spring break and don't begrudge that. So we want to give you a second chance on, I believe it's April the 9th. I believe that's what I've, I believe that's what I've got down April the 9th. And, uh, and we're going to cut trees over at the ball field and maybe some up there by the cemetery that we have. And uh, you can load them into a chipper. And I know you as young men, when you have a work day, will want people to come at, to your church work day. So you reap what you sow. So we will give you an opportunity to be here on the 9th of April. Amen. And, uh, I, I, but I, do, I, I appreciate all the work that goes on here. And uh, no way that you can get it done one person. So we appreciate that. All right, Brother, Brother Scott, a couple announcements. We have a few things to announce. Uh, one is in relation to our teenagers. Uh, I want to say our youth group got a lot of help last year during the spring revival. And uh, God did a lot of great things among our youth. And I think we're still reaping benefits from what God did uh, last year and, and throughout the summer. And um, we are wanting to meet this Saturday at 9 o'clock in the morning with the teenagers for a prayer breakfast. Uh, we're going to feed them some breakfast and then spend some time in prayer and uh, spend that time together. And then outreach is at 10 o'clock where we go out and knock on doors. And we'd like to encourage as many teenagers as we could to go out with us and knock on doors this coming Saturday morning. So if the youth would remember that, want to make uh, mention of that. Uh, it was good for us in Sunday school to see Mo Allgood back after her surgery today. And uh, we were glad to see her back at church. That was a real blessing. All right. Now, also the uh, Easter lilies have been announced, I believe, today. But uh, we are planning on putting Easter lilies in the church for Easter. And anyone wishing to put one in memory or in honor of someone, please let the church office know by April 14th. That's the deadline. The price for each is $15. You uh, may take them after the service on Easter Sunday night. So uh, the church office uh, number, you can call that and uh, get those uh, that order put in. A VBS meeting tonight after the service in the chapel, and anyone interested in helping with this year's VBS, uh, it is uh, listed here as a short meeting, okay? So if you'd like to help with VBS, you can meet in the chapel after this service. All right. All right. Yes, sir. <clears throat> also, I believe Jimmy Hill's going to hear back from his test, so you please pray for him. I know they would appreciate that. Well, Brother Dave Knopfsinger has got a few revival reports, those orange cards that we gave. And, uh, and, I, and I know we didn't recognize his wife tonight, but I appreciate God sending Brother Dave and Sister Jane here. She's been a help to these college girls. And uh, if, if Miss Jane's been a help to you as a college girl, won't you stand to your feet just a minute? She's been a help to you? Look at that. In fact, look at that. They're standing up back there as well. How about that? I've noticed they've moved to sit down where she is. So they mean she's giving out good candy or good money. <laughs> but thank you all. Can be seated and appreciate them being here. All right, Dave. Well, praise the Lord. I get to do the exciting thing. Tell you some of the things that have happened in families' lives since the revival. I have uh, one card here from a, one of our teenagers uh, says, the Lord revived my heart. He gave me joy and peace. He gave me a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. He set my feet upon a solid rock. Amen. Amen. That's one of our teenagers. 
Then we have a note here from a couple in our church. It says, God has been great to my wife and I in the past 12 months. We watch services when unable to be here. We pray like never before. We read our Bible very consistent, and then it says daily. And then on purpose, uh, we bought iPods for me. Uh, we bought iPods for me that uh, we can use to listen to the Bible only. Uh, to date, I have had the Bible read to me from cover to cover three and a half times so far this year. Uh, this has transformed my walk with the Lord. The Word of God is uh, presented in such a manner that it makes me hungry for more. Uh, looking forward to walking with Jesus. Thank you for the church and the pastor. So, amen. All right. Well, take your Bible tonight, if you would, to Colossians chapter 3. Now, I know this is going to surprise some of you, but what you're doing right now is not going on, at least in Boone, North Carolina, and Blowing Rock, North Carolina. They don't have service there on Sunday night. And when I say they, I mean Baptist churches. Now, there one Baptist church there that I know, Bible Way Baptist Church, I believe they have services Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Couldn't find any other Baptist church that had services on Sunday night. And... Um, I think they're missing out on a blessing by not being in church on Sunday night. And I'm glad that you're here. And uh, what I want you to do, I want you to turn your Bible tonight to Colossians chapter 3. And in thinking about, again, just kind of thinking about revival, my heart kind of was moved toward this passage, I believe, that the Lord had me preach on it. And I want you to underline three things in here, starting with verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. I'd like you to underline that phrase, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, if you'd underline that. And then verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. I want you to underline that word there in verse number 4, Christ, who is our life. Then verse 5, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which, sake, or for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, into which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Fit the communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man and his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. For there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. You've underlined in verse number 11, Christ is all. Now those three phrases in this passage, I think, have a central theme, and that is Jesus Christ. And I think if you look, the very first verse says this, if ye then be risen with Christ. In other words, if you have been born again, John 3 says ye must be born again. It doesn't say you must be a Baptist or you must be baptized. It says ye must be born again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, behold, all things become new. And I'd just like to say, starting off tonight, <coughs> if ye then be risen with Christ, 
That means I used to be dead to the things of God. But because I'm a new creature and because I've been born again and I've been risen with Christ, now I'm no longer dead to the things of God. I'm alive unto those things now. I'm no longer a stranger and foreigner to the family of God. I've been put into God's family. I'm no longer without hope and without God in this world. I'm now bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh and have been made accepted into the beloved. Amen. So my life has changed when I got born again. Your life changed when you became a new creature. I'm amazed at how many people today are preaching and teaching that you can talk how you want to talk. You can live how you want to live. All you need to do is love Jesus and be born again. I, I believe that is so contrary to the scripture. I'd say this. If you got a new creature on the inside, you don't have the same appetites you used to have anymore. My appetite changes. My language changes. I don't know why I just thought about this, but I remember Dr. Seitler saying, you can't have a dancing foot on the, praying, on the end of a praying knee. They don't go together. There are things that are not supposed to be together. And you and I, there's some things that we shouldn't have in our life once we are risen with Christ. And here's what he says. Where, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. I want to start off tonight. First thing, three, three quick points tonight. Number one, Christ sitting on the throne to me says that Christ is reigning. He's ruling and reigning. And I want to say tonight, real revival will help put you in a place to where Christ is the one that is running your life. In fact, can I ask you a question? How many of you found out that when you ran your life, before you let Christ run your life, you made a mess out of things? I mean, the things that you thought were good ended up being uh, something that were very costly, making bad decisions. I'm telling you, Christ is reigning in verse number one, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And if Christ is reigning in my life, and, and, and let me make that practical. Listen, you young people, let God decide what you do with your life. Let him make the decisions about the music you listen to, about the friends that you have, about the places that you go. You ought to let God, God ought to be the one to tell you whatever he wants to tell you. And you, you know what you ought to say? You ought to say what Samuel said, hear my Lord, whatever you want. But that doesn't just go for young people. That goes for all of us. I have no right to sit where Christ sits. Listen, Jesus Christ, number one, he created all of us. You are not a product of evolution. You're a product of creation. Amen. But then he paid for my sin debt, and then he created me and me a new creature in Christ, and I have no right to sit on a throne that he rightly deserves to sit on. Christ ought to be the one running my life. Right. And because of that, the Bible says then, I ought to be seeking, look in verse number one, seek those things which are above and set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Now, I know we've never had a problem with that here as far as trying to take and make something that's important to men important to God. I, I, I'm so glad that in the history of our church, we've never had Super Bowl Sunday. Well, it's the biggest game of the year. Advertisement is millions of dollars per second. It is the most watched sporting event in all the year. Well, it may be important to men, but I really don't think God cares who wins the Super Bowl. Right. So we don't try to bring that here. We're not interested in the winner of the Super Bowl. In fact, I'm glad I'm preaching to a bunch of folks tonight. I'm glad you don't skip church to go watch the Super Bowl. Right. 
We have a different affection. We set our affection on things above, not on things below. There are so many things down here that are important to men that God doesn't care anything about. And I've seen people do it. They prayed that a kicker would miss the kick. You can pray all you want. God doesn't care if he makes it or misses it. Not important to God. What's important to God, the Bible says that we're to set our affection on things above. So if I'm going to let Christ rule my life, then my heart is going to have to become like his heart. My desires are going to have to be like his desires. I'm going to tell you right now, when you think about things that are above, the first thing that John saw in heaven were people worshiping the one that was sitting on the throne. And I'm going to tell you what I think is valuable to God and something we ought to be interested in. It ought to be, if we want him to rule and reign, we ought to be worshiping the God that sits on the throne of heaven, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We ought to be worshiping him. Nebuchadnezzar thought so much about worship, he built a statue as tall as St. Francis Hospital. And he said, I'm going to play music and everybody's going to bow down to it. Boy, but three Hebrew boys said, no, we're not going to bow down to that. Uh, King, we're going to bow down to the one true God and you're not him and we're not going to bow down to that statue. The devil sought so much of worship that what he did is he took Jesus Christ up onto a pinnacle or rather up into a high mountain. He said, listen, if you, you see all these kings of the world, I'll give all of these kings, I'll give you every kingdom. I'll give you Russia. I'll give you Ukraine. I'll give you Korea, Africa. I'll give you all the continent of North America. I'll give you all of these kings if you'll just bow down and worship me. He valued worship so much that he would exchange all of that. You know what I say? If the devil values worship that much and a wicked king values worship that much, there must be some value in worship. So if Christ is sitting on the throne of my heart, he ought to get some worship from time to time. Come on now, he ought to get some. And worship doesn't just mean raising your hand. I'm talking about worship is bowing down in your heart in reverence and recognizing the greatness of God. Listen, our God, hey, hey, our God is not a little G God. Our God, listen, the Bible says that the earth is his footstool. Come on, if his, if his feet fit on the earth, I'd say he's a pretty big God. The heavens are his throne then if my heart becomes like his heart, then worship is something I'll be interested in. I believe y'all don't want to worship God. Amen. Amen. I believe y'all don't want to worship God. I think there's some other things up in heaven. How many think there's some books up in heaven? Oh yeah, there's some books in heaven. How about the book of life? There's a book of life in heaven. Aren't you glad your name's in that book? Yeah, there's a lot of books your name might be in. There's some books that people really want their name in. Forbes 500. We're a Forbes 500 company. We have some people that manage one of the funds that we have to, to support one of our ministries. And, and I was told that that company made Fortune 500. They were a Fortune 500 company. And the picture got in one of those magazines. And I thought, well, that's a, that's a great accomplishment. Listen, as far as I'm concerned, there's some books down here that people have their names in and desire to have their names in. I don't care anything about the Oscars. I don't care anything. I don't care anything about the Emmys. I, I don't care what people wore down the red carpet and what the fashion designers made. I care less about that. I don't care if my name ever gets put in any of those kind of tabloids or my name gets in any of those publications. Hey, hey, but I'm glad. Are you listening to me? I'm glad my name is in the book of life. Made that register. But the book of life, there's other books that are up there. Surely, if you believe that the Bible says that God's word is forever settled in heaven, don't you believe that there's the word of God up in heaven? 
Come on, don't you think that we ought, to, we ought to set our affection on things above? I'm glad what's above I can hold in my hand. <laughs> There's some people that just shivered right now on the radio. You believe that you're holding a Bible that's up? You believe that God's word that's in heaven you've got in your hand? Absolutely, because I have an inspired, preserved word in my hand. So I ought to give some time to this. I don't know if you heard what was said just a minute ago. That lady, whoever that lady, I think it was, was it a lady? One of our members, was it a lady? A, cu- a couple. So they, they have gotten iPods so they can put the Bible on their iPod and they can listen to the Bible over and over and over and, and already have listened to it three times. What a blessing. I promise you they're getting more out of that than people get out of what's ever on the talk radio station. You know, talk radio, talk radio has really no value whatsoever. I'm, I'm going to make a confession, then I'm going to be done with it. I got to listen to talk radio, this is years ago, and uh, about 100 years ago. And I got so upset with what I was hearing that I went and I bought a ticket to Washington, D.C. I got on a plane, I rented a car, which I subsequently got a ticket by camera for driving in D.C. And I went to this huge meeting that was supposed to be there, and I stood with a bunch of other people. I got back into the car, drove to the motel, went to sleep, got up in the morning, got on the plane, and flew back. And when I got back, there was a little voice inside me that said, that was real stupid. You wasted time and money. Now, you may say, well, we need to be activists. (laughs) I think we need to be activists for the Lord. Do you you know why I got so upset about that? Because I wasn't listening to this. I was looking at something else. And they were telling me about what they were doing and what their plans were. I'm going to go stop it. I'm going to be up there and I'm going to get my voice. Change nothing. But you give your ear to this book right here, it'll change a whole lot of things about your life. There are some people, they have favorite, te- listen, if you have a television show you won't miss, and because now you can record them, DVD, you can do all, if, if you're so dedicated to a television sitcom series, oh my goodness, and you're not dedicated to making certain you read this Bible every day, you got your priorities in the wrong order. I have never seen Survivor, but I saw a clip of it and I thought, so they put them on an island as if they got shipwrecked there and there's no way to get off of it. I'm, I have no idea what the show's about and I don't want to know. If you do, don't come up and tell me because I don't care. All these, who's going to be the last person on Survivor Island? I tell you what's more important. Who's going to be sitting on the throne is a whole lot more important. And all I'm just saying is people have this affinity for certain things that they won't miss tonight. Tonight. Is North Carolina playing tonight, Scott? <laughs> Aren't you glad you got an assistant pastor, a youth pastor that's in church instead of watching North Carolina play? But there'll be some people that'll miss a ball. Listen, they'll miss church so they can see the Tar Heels play or the Tide play. All I'm saying is this. Listen, there are people that are more interested in the things below than the things above. Hey, you ought to make much of this Bible. Why, it's up in heaven. Not only is that up, there's a holy city up there. The holy city is not Rome. Come on now, the holy city is not Mecca. The holy city is not even Jerusalem. I'm going to tell you where the the holy city is the new Jerusalem and one day it's going to come down here. Amen. Amen. 
There's a city whose builder and maker is God. And boy, people make plans to go on vacation. I'm so thankful that we got to spend time in North Carolina. And it was a beautiful place. And I appreciate all that we got to enjoy. But I'm telling you, listen, there is a a much better place called heaven whose builder and maker is God. No parking issues in heaven. No crime in heaven. How about that? You won't have to lock a door. You won't have, you, you won't have, you'll, you'll never have something you'll have to fix in heaven. How about that? You won't have to clean it. I figured somebody would get happy about that a little bit. Yeah, you won't have to clean it. Yeah, Bible says set your affection on things above. People spend, spend hours and hours and hours. Homes in the mountain and homes on the beach and homes they're building. Nothing wrong with having a home. But we get so caught up with the home here. And we lose sight of the home up there. And if Christ is on the throne of your heart, you know what he's looking at? He's looking at the home up there, not the one down here. It's temporal. You know what else is up there? The souls of men are up there. I think we ought to be, I think we ought to be, if we're going to let Christ reign in our life, you know what he said to those disciples, follow me and I will make you to be, come on now, help me church, follow me and I will make you to be fishers of men. I'm going to teach you how to fish for men, to look for the souls of men. And if Christ is reigning in my heart, then my desires will become like his desires. I really appreciate that God has sent people to Tabernacle Baptist Church, and I appreciate that God has saved people at Tabernacle Baptist Church. But my desire, your desire really ought not to be that Tabernacle Baptist Church is one day completely filled to capacity again. You know what our desire ought to be? Our desire ought to be that souls are one for the glory of Jesus Christ. Right. That's what it ought to be about. When they get saved, then we ought to try to train them and disciple them, help them to grow up in the Lord. And it ought to be about that, that, that new convert becoming more like Christ. And we ought to give our attention to that. And that's the reason, that's the reason we're not going to go in a contemporary direction and bring in a contemporary Christian band to be able to draw a crowd. Because it's never been about drawing a crowd. It's about the souls of men. It's about the souls of men. That's what's up there. And then look at the second thing. If Christ is reigning, then my heart's going to become like his heart. I'm going to be conformed to him. I'm going to be pursuing, pressing after these things. Are you? Do any of those things ever come into your mind and give reason for worship? Secondly, secondly, look if you would there at verse number four. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Yeah, I, I like that phrase. So Christ is reigning in verse one, but Christ is sustaining In verse number four, Christ, who is our life? How many of our people here could say, without Christ, I'd have no life? Could you say amen to that? Dead and trespasses in sin. The Bible speaks about my life before Christ. And you can look at what you were before you were born again, whose understanding was darkened, alienated from the life that is in God. Blinded, the Bible says. But now I'm alive in Christ, and Christ is my life. I thought about it in the book of John, how many times Jesus spoke about being the life. You know what he said? I am the resurrection and the life. So if you want life, you're not going to find it on a mountaintop. You're going to find it in Jesus Christ. 
If you want life, you're not going to find it on the shore of some beautiful beach. You're going to find it in Jesus Christ. He said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says that in him was life, and that life was the light of men, that he has life in himself. Listen, Jesus is not just God. Jesus is the sustainer of our life, and if you get plugged into him, you'll have a life worth living. Amen. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You take that branch and you separate it away from that vine, it's going to die. It's going to dry up. It's going to wither. It'll never produce fruit. But you keep that branch connected into that vine. And you know what's going to happen? The life and the power that's in the vine is going to be what's in the branch. You know what I'd say? Now, listen to me. If you let Christ sustain your life, you'll have a life worth living. Amen. Amen. You won't have to have five bottles to try to help you make it through the day. We have a drug-filled society. Can't deal with their past problems. Can't deal with their present problems. Don't know what to do with the future. Have no idea which way to turn. Depressed. I mean, I'm talking about completely out of their mind, depressed in places where they say, I'm just going to take my life. Hey, if you let Christ fill your life, he'll give you something worth living for. Christ, the Bible says, who is our life? You know what the Bible says in Galatians? Here's what he says in Galatians. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I know you're not going to believe what I'm about to say. I'm telling you, I have never lived the way I've enjoyed living since I gave my heart to Christ than what I did before I gave my heart to Christ. I was told if you do this, you'll be happy. You'll find great pleasure. Oh, there's, th this is the height of what you'll, you, you can't get any better than this. The devil's a liar. I'm telling you right now, you get plugged into Jesus Christ and you're going to have a life worth living. You're going to find something that satisfies and something that sustains. I don't get my life from the church. I love the church. But my life doesn't come from the church. My life comes from Jesus Christ. I don't get my life from being a Baptist. If all you are is a Baptist, you're coming up short. <laughs> you better be connected to Jesus Christ because he sustains life. He gives strength. And if we're going to have revival, then we have to have a connection to the Lord because he sustains life. He makes it alive. Third thing, and I'll, I'll move along. Verse number 11, I was going to preach on all the sin, but we'll just move along. Verse number 11, this is where I just want to end up. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Well, Christ sustaining, but here I just want to point out Christ satisfying. There's a little song we sing, Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need, all I need. He's all we need. Do you believe that? If Christ is reigning in your life and sustaining your life, then he can give you satisfaction that you can't find in any other place. What I'm saying is this. Christ is all. 
Preacher, do you mean that if we didn't have the lifestyle we have in America and all we had was Jesus Christ, that would be enough? I'm telling you tonight, if Christ is all you have, then you got everything you need. I can remember a trip we took to Mexico and we got in these vans that were older vans and we would go into these places called ranches and we would go pick people up to bring them to church. And we pulled into a particular place one night and um, boy, they were just piling into these vans. These vans were 15 passenger vans and I think we probably put 40 people in them. People sitting on top of each other everywhere. And, and they were coming out of very, what I would say, very low-income houses. And then there was this, there was this house, this house-like structure. And honestly, it looks like it was made out of cardboard. And this lady, she comes walking out. And the missionary said, oh, this is Brother Luis's mother. And she had this big smile on her face. We opened the door. She got to sit up front. And I'm talking to her back and forth to Brother Bobby through, through translator, finding out, well, what's this lady's story? And she's got this big smile. She came out of a little old cardboard hut. Probably didn't have any, wouldn't have any idea what a 401k is. Wouldn't, wouldn't have any idea what it means to have money in, in, a, in a savings account. Probably living day to day, has very little money. And she's got this smile. I'm telling you, it lights up the place. And I'm asking Brother Bobby, tell me, he said, oh, that's Brother Luis's mom. Well, who's Brother Luis? He said, well, Brother Luis was a drunk. He was a town drunk. He said, and this is his mother, and his mother would take a blanket down to the corner, and she would lay a blanket on him when he would pass out. And she would pray, oh, God, please save my boy. And he said, preacher, one day I got to lead her boy, Luis, to Jesus Christ. You know, and I... I know she, she, she doesn't understand English, but she understands Louise. She knows that's my boy. She's just smiling. Then we get to the church house and he introduces me to Louise. Louise is the pastor of the church. And I'm thinking, this is, yeah, this was the town drunk. He's now the pastor of the church. And you know what mom's doing while her boy's preaching? She just smiling. I'm satisfied. I don't have a nice car. I don't have a house that's worth anything to mention of them. My clothes, they're not, they're not new in any kind of shape, way, form, or fashion. And by the world standards, I have nothing. But I tell you what I do have. I had a boy that was a town drunk, and he got born again, and then God took him, and he put him behind the pulpit, and now my boy is up there preaching the eternal living word of God, and I'm satisfied. Christ is all. He's all. You say, I just don't believe it'll work that way. Go to Luke chapter 5 and I'll finish here. Real revival will put Christ on the throne. Real revival will sustain your life to where there's a fruitfulness, where there used to be a deadness. And real revival will bring a satisfaction with Jesus that nothing else can, can bring. I'm, I'm still amazed that I get to pastor and preach and I, I'm so thankful God let me do that. How many of you men that are here that are called preachers, are you still amazed that God lets you get up and preach a Bible? I mean, you get to put your hand on a book that's called the Holy Word of God. You get to stand up and preach the eternal riches of Jesus Christ. I tell you what, that's an honor and that's a privilege. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Luke chapter 5. 
Luke chapter 5 and verse number 27, the Bible says, And after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi. That's Matthew. He's sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. Won't you get that in your mind for a minute? Here sits Levi, Matthew, at the seat of custom. He's a publican. He's a tax collector for the Roman government on the Jewish people. So they have to come to him and bring him money. So he's sitting at this table of receipt of custom. And, and he has records, I'm certain, of people that have come and they're paying taxes, they're paying tribute, and he's writing things down and he's collecting this money. And as he does that, the Bible says, Jesus comes by, verse 27, and said unto him, follow me. Levi, hey, I want you to come with me. Look at verse 28. And he left, can you say the next word? He left all, rose up, and followed him. He was sitting there, and he's sitting with this money, and he's got a position of public and of tax collector, and he's got all these things, probably has a, a, a nicer house than most would have because of the opportunity like Zacchaeus. And so he's sitting there, and the Lord comes by and says, Matthew, I want you to follow me. And he looks at all that's on the table. And he thinks about that house. And he says, I think I will. I think I'm going to leave all of that behind because I see more value in you than I do in all that's sitting on that table right there. The Bible says not only did he do that, you say, well, how do you know he had a house? Look at the next verse. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. He goes out and he buys he buys some good food. I, I don't know if they had steak. He bought, I'm sure he bought something nice because the Lord's coming to his house now. He's going to go out. He's going to fill that table with a big spread. The Bible says he made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and others that sat down with him. How did they know he was having a dinner for the Lord? I'll tell you what happened. Here's what I believe happened. I believe that, I believe that when Matthew, when he stepped out to follow the Lord and he gave up all that, I think God did something in his heart. I think he said, yes, sir, Levi, I'm fixing to give you an opportunity to catch men. I'm going to change your life. And I think he went out, I think he started telling people, hey, Jesus asked me to follow him. I'm quitting my job. Would you come? I'm having a great big supper tonight. Can you imagine what they would have said to him? Have you lost your mind? What did he offer you? Oh, he didn't offer me anything but to catch men. You don't even know how to fish. How are you going to catch men? I don't know, but I'm following him because there's something different in his voice. And there's something different with the way he speaks. And I've heard stories about what he's done for people that nobody else could help. And I tell you what, maybe there's just a whole lot more in him than there is on this table I've been sitting at and a whole lot more in him and this money that I've been slaving over. And I'm going to go, won't you come to my house? And I think he went to publican after publican. And I think they all showed up and they're sitting there and they're waiting to hear, well, what's going to happen? You know why? Because, listen, Matthew found out, Matthew found out, i got a Savior that's satisfied. Come on, if you had all the money you could spend, do you think you'd be happy? Come on, look, look, look at me, look at me. If today you went home and in your bank account was $5 million, do you think you'd stay happy? Well, if I had five, I'd love to try. <laughs> I've met some wealthy people. Oh, 
You talk about a picture of unhappy. You know, I, I think it would be more frustrating to have all that money that could buy you whatever you want and go and get whatever you want and find out that it still doesn't satisfy. But you know what we just read in Colossians? Christ is all. You know what we found out, folks? We found out that we have a God that satisfies. Christ is all. Real revival will give you a Christ that satisfies, a Christ that sustains, and a Christ that's reigning in your heart. That's why we need revival. I don't need to be on that throne. And I'm tired. I don't want to keep drinking in the dregs of the world to find some temporary satisfaction. I want something that's real, that lasts. Amen. Amen. If you'd stand to your feet. My invitation tonight is this. It's just simple. I want Christ running my life. Lord, I, I want you reigning in my life, the decisions I'm making. Christ, I want you to sustain my life. My life has been withered. My life has been very empty, it seems, and I want you to sustain my life. Christ, I, I want you to satisfy. I'm tired. I'm tired of all the world has to offer and always coming up dry. Ken's going to play. Would you come tonight? If, if ye then be risen with Christ, if you've been risen, seek those things that are above. Set your affection on things above. Put off that old man. Put on the new man. What you need is in Jesus Christ. I could give that message to all of Greenville. What you need to satisfy your life is not in a better office and not in the bottom, the bottom of a bottle and not, not in some amount of money. It's in Christ. The thing that helps you to be able to live is in Christ. That's what we need. That's what real revival brings. Brother Hobart, won't you sing a verse, would you? I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses, and He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known he speaks and the sound of his voice it's so sweet the birds hush their singing and the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing.
he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we carry there none other has ever known. All right, I appreciate your attention tonight, but if we could do this, if, um, if um, Brother Subtle, is that right, at, right here? Uh, oh, okay. If we could have, could you have Brother Elwood Hurst and Miss Doris to follow you? Just, just follow you out there. You just go back there and get them. They're back right in the middle, back by the grounds. Yeah, just going back there. Brother Hurst, if you and Miss Doris would just follow Brother Scott just a moment. Now there's a lady right there. Her smile lights up the room too. Amen. And then I'm going to just turn this one on. I'm going to invite you. <clears throat> yeah, Brother Hurst, you go ahead and go on. I can't talk until you leave. <laughs> While he's going outdoor, I thank, thank you so much for being kind to my wife and, uh, and uh, just, just showing your appreciation. You know, I don't know how much um, that, that you would know about the life of a pastor and and a pastor's wife gone a lot, a lot of responsibility, not a complaint. It's just, it's just what it is. And um, I believe that a pastor's wives will be at the front of the line. Don't you, Dot Aiken? I believe that they'll have more than I'll have. That's what I believe. And, uh, but here's what we're going to do. Are they out the door? Are they? All right. I'd love for you to go out there. We're gonna, we got the keys to that van we're going to give to Brother Hurst and his wife tonight. So if y'all just want to head this way, we'll gather out there by the awning, and then we'll give it to him, all right? 